Misguided Medicine. I am Justin McElroy. Hey, and I'm Sydney. Sydney is a medical doctor, but of course, nothing she says should be taken as literal medical advice here on our program. No. Everything I say um, may not be true. I may have completely made it up. Well, I didn't just completely make it up. You do the reverse? Should everybody do the reverse of everything? Do the reverse of. No, because what if I say something that's a good idea? That's just don't listen to no, anything. No, just don't. Just consider this, you know, just in, infotainment. In- <laughs> <laughs> you're on the super infotainment highway. It's, just, it's interesting, and you're glad you listened to it, and then don't ever remember just, it again. Just don't ever think about it. Just remember it as a pleasant, pleasant haze that you were in for 30 <laughs> or 40 minutes. Uh, Sit back, have a drink. Don't do any drugs, though. So, Sydney. And listen to this show. Teach me something. Well, I have a question that's com- that's completely unrelated, but has been preying on my mind for some time, Justin. Hit me, Sid. Who's your favorite character from Alice in Wonderland? Um, that's a normal thing that married people need to know about each other. You got. We have these flashcards. Keep, they, they say uh, keep it fresh. Flashcards. Keep the conversation going. Keep the conversation going. Long just... after you have things to say to each other. <laughs> uh, the, um, <laughs> my favorite character from Alice in Wonderland is. The cat, the caterpillar, I guess. Wrong answer. <laughs> okay. Try again. Uh, the rabbit. Brer rabbit. That's not that. Okay, that's not a character from Alice in Wonderland, and that's still not the right answer. Okay. Uh, the the little mouse and the teacups. No, you're really you're really killing this. I really thought this would work, um, and I just it's not working anymore. Okay, I guess I'm running out. Um. <laughs> The Mad Hatter. There you go. That's it. I knew it. Is that what the right? a coincidence? Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there was a reason we were married. Finally, some common ground after all these years. <laughs> Your fourth favorite character <laughs> in Alice in Wonderland is the same as what I'm pretending mine is for this show. Now, Sydney, why are you pretending that that is your favorite character from Alice in Wonderland? Well, do you know why the Hatter was mad? Um, I don't know, I guess because Lewis Carroll wrote him that way, right? Well, I mean, it's more than that. Um, why would you, why would, I mean, where does that even come from? Where does the idea that, I, I mean, what is a hatter? Do you know what a hatter is? He's a guy who loves hats. <laughs> he's a guy who makes hats. Makes hats. He he's makes a guy hats. who makes hats. I said yeah. that first time. Yeah, and when and he's mad, but he's not angry, right? Right, he's crazy. Right, he's crazy. So how did he get that way? I don't know, Sid. You're okay. the doctor. Christ. Well, don't get so upset. <laughs> I won't. I'm, I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna Trying tell to keep you. it under control. So a lot of people are actually already familiar with this. So the the Mad Hatter was named so. And actually, this is just to be completely fair. This may be apocryphal that this is why he was named the Mad Hatter. It's not 
100% clear that this was what he was referencing. But what a lot of people think is that the Mad Hatter is a reference to the fact that um, you used to use mercuric nitrate in the process of felting a hat. And a lot of people who made hats suffered from chronic mercury poisoning, which could uh, have neurological effects and psychiatric effects on the patient. Mercury. Now, here's what I know about mercury. Uh-huh. Is that I saw it on Mr. Wizard once, and they played with it. And uh, what did they do with it? It, it kind of just jiggled around, because it was like a liquid. It was like T2. It was like Terminator 2. It's like liquid metal. And they played with it? They played... I mean, I it, unless, if memory serves, and I guess... This was dangerous in retrospect, but like if memory serves, they were like picking it up with their hands and playing with it. Well, it's actually it, depending on what form it's in. Mercury is not actually quite as dangerous as you might assume. But let's let's go into what what does Justin know about mercury to yeah, begin with? I literally so, just gave you everything I have. <laughs> so for starters, mercury has an atomic number, and it is any number that's on the periodic table. And I'm going to let you guess it number by number until you get it right. Okay. So just start, and when you get there, we'll this is stop. Fucking thrilling, thrilling podcast audio. Let me start with. Okay, it's eighty. That was boring. We're not going to talk about it anymore. <laughs> I was going to guess um, eighty. That was my Mercury. Guess. <laughs> uh, mercury um, is actually the symbol for mercury on the uh, periodic tables HG because it comes from the uh, Latin hydrargyrum. Okay. Which is liquid silver. It also uh, argentum vivum, living silver, because mercury looks like it's alive, which is what makes it so interesting. And it has fascinated chemists and alchemists and scientists and physicians and all throughout history. Um, it is the only metal that's liquid at room temperature. Mm -hmm. Did you well, know that? I did not know that. It's so dense it can float lead. Whoa. Yeah. I know. Thanks for pretending to be impressed. I am impressed. I, I wish I had that much mercury that I could see some lead fluid in it. I would like to do well, that on the on the podcast as you'll learn later then you might then you might you know get the shake so be Ooh. glad you don't okay so the thing about mercury that uh made people so fascinated was one that its appearance um you've probably seen it at some point it, it it's referred to as quicksilver sometimes that's oh, what people mean when they say quicksilver okay. yeah mercury because it's silver and shiny and it's liquid and it looks cool and yes it looks like t2 um <laughs> the second terminator for those of you who aren't familiar. And uh, it the thing about it is that, so do you remember, Justin, about atoms? Oh, God. Um, there's yeah. like a little bundle of protons and neutrons in the middle, like a little yeah, bunch of grapes in the middle. There's space. So there's space in there. And there's, and there's space, in, yes, space. and space. And then there's stuff floating around on the outside called electrons. Correct. Kind of remember that? Yeah, I got it. Okay, well, the thing about mercury is it's got these two electrons floating around on the outside of it that bond really easily with other metals. So you can make amalgams with it. Now, what's an amalgam? Uh, you know, it's just two things mixed together, two metals mixed together. Oh, okay, dig it. Yeah. So the, the thing about it is that you can use, the reason that mercury became so important is you can use it to collect precious metals. Oh, how? So... You take uh, like a metal ore, so like a gold ore or a silver ore, which is like the raw material that contains gold or silver. Okay. And then you mix it with mercury, and mercury will bind to just the precious metal part. 
So then you just have this amalgam of gold and mercury or silver and mercury or That's whatever. crazy. And then you can heat it up. The mercury evaporates off and you've got pure gold or pure silver. That's fantastic. Yeah. So so it became very important for a long time in like Spain and Italy and Peru. You would mine cinnabar, which is the like raw elemental form of mercury. And you would take mm -hmm. it and send it over to the new world and make these gold and silver amalgams in the new world and then send that back over just a pure purified precious metals. That so, sounds very useful. Yeah. So anyway, for Egyptian chemists, Roman, medieval Arabian, European, they were all using um, mercury in all these different experiments. Uh, they actually thought because it bonded so well with other things that it was um, that it was the mercury itself that might be able to change form. So it was very important in alchemy. You know, they were trying to use mercury to make gold and silver as opposed to just using it to get gold and silver. They used it. To, they were trying to use it to make gold and silver. Now, Sydney, I'm hearing a lot of information about mercury, and God knows I appreciate anything I can get <laughs> about any, re really any relevant information about any topic that I can take into the world and use maybe on Jeopardy or, or something like that. Uh -huh. But this is this show is about medicine. Right. So what, what, what are, like, tell me about some of the applications for, for mercury outside of just weird old wizards. <laughs> <laughs> The thing about mercury is that um, any material like that that uh, has so many uses kind of takes on a magical quality among scientists, especially before we really understood the way the world worked. Um, the most basic application of this uh, is actually um, mercury amalgams that were used for dental fillings. <laughs> oh, that sounds so, good. So that on, a, on a very basic level, the fact that mercury made all these amalgams made people think, hey, you could, you know, use it with other substances and stick it in teeth. I guess. And so we used to do that. It's oh, not really. That sounds un less than healthy. Yeah. Less than ideal. Yeah, less than less than ideal. And before we get into the actual like ways that we, you know, used mercury itself as a uh, treatment, I think the most widespread use of mercury in medicine, you're probably very familiar with. Uh, lube. Did you just say lube? Lube. Yes, lube. What Durable. kind? What kind of mercury are you using? Liquid. What kind of lube are you using? Liquid metal. Okay. Lube. No. For robots. Robot sex lube. No, honey. No. Possibly. No. Thermometers. Oh yeah. I don't see. You don't see those much anymore, so it didn't occur to me. I I prefer the digital kind. <laughs> it's easier for rectal use. We'll leave that be. So I'll in that in seventeen fourteen Fahrenheit invented the thermometer the mercury thermometer there's actually a guy named fahrenheit yeah oh, i guess I'd, there would be joe fahrenheit joe fahrenheit <laughs> douglas <laughs> old, fahrenheit. old joe fahrenheit crazy I don't know. joel fahrenheit he's always putting mercury in glass tubes he says one day he's gonna come to something <laughs> none of us believe him but who the hell knows i don't know he seems to have it going on seems to have it figured out okay so other th so so we, we i i wanted to get across to you the idea that mercury um was this important substance and especially um, in traditional Chinese medicine is where you see a lot of uh, mercury used as an actual treatment. It was thought in like second century China that you could actually Im ingest mercury and it would make you live longer. Oh. So very small amounts of element elemental mercury you would just, you know, eat. Um, now I'm assuming this goes in with the uh, something that's becoming, a, a, I would say a common theme here in in uh, sawbones is people just fucking guessing, just guessing. Yeah, 
just making it up and doing a thing and hoping it didn't kill people, except yes, it did. Well, and I, I think I think what you see is that something seems really cool and interesting, like mercury and you know quicksilver, and it seems like it might have magical properties. And if you just eat elemental mercury or or the cinnabar form of mercury, it actually in small amounts is probably not going to cause you much problem. I just the it's I mean, a you know, so endorsement if you, if for medical Well, mercury. no, I'm not don't do it. But the the people who used it traditionally probably didn't have a lot of problems from it. And, you know, placebo effect, they thought hey, who knows, you know. Maybe, uh-huh. maybe it was the mercury. Why not? Um Aristotle actually thought you should use it for skin disorders. So at least he wasn't eating it. He was saying just, you know, rub it all over you. Um, there was also uh, in the fourth century, it was believed that you could smear it on your feet and you could walk on water. You'd think you'd think that <laughs> the that first time that, that right? probably was the dispelled first, pretty quickly. The, when how did that make work. it into a book? Like, the first time someone's like, I'm just gonna give it you a could, shot. You could smear it over your door to ward off thieves. That's a little bit harder to quantify, I guess, because because if you if the first time a thief reached in, it's like ugh. What is this? Gross. Um, if you mix it with raspberry juice, uh, then you can give it to old dudes, and it's better than Viagra. Is that true, or is that nope. some more? Nope. Again, something they <laughs> thought. Something they also they thought, thought it was an aphrodisiac for women. Okay, but no, I'm assuming. I, well, you want to? Hey, 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 hey! Why don't we find out, hey. big guy? Hey. Um, it could also be used as a contraceptive, which seems pretty handy that it was an aphrodisiac and a contraceptive. So yeah, there you go. It's, it's an all-in-one. Get her in the mood with no worries. Um, and uh, I it's think... It's like the music of young Elvis and the music of old Elvis. I think it just com- works. <laughs> both. Conveniently, aphrodisiac, contraceptive, Viagra replacement, uh, early Viagra. And in the 15th century in Europe, we learned that it was a treatment for syphilis. When you say learned, you're saying, I mean, still... Still just making it up, right? Well, if you apply enough mercury to a syphilis shanker, you probably are going to kill something there. <laughs> it actually, that was when it, be, that was the most widespread medical use for mercury. Probably of all of them uh, was as a topical treatment for syphilis. And and you have to understand, at that time in Europe, everybody had syphilis. And, <laughs> and so it's a groovy time to was, be alive. The thought was, hey, let's just try everything. <laughs> Something's got to work. I'll put everything on my d- that I can find. <laughs> Liquid metal, f- it. I, hey, I'll, jo- I'll Johnny. Hey now. I'll Johnny Tremaine my penis. I hey, don't this care. is a clean show. <laughs> so, uh, so it was it was very popular as a treatment for syphilis for a while. That was probably again that was the most widespread medical use. It's just now, did it work? Again, I, I don't know. Probably not. Um, but you know, the thing with syphilis is that the initial uh, sore, the initial chancre, does go away. So if you put mercury on it, it would go away, but Just, it probably had nothing to do with the mercury. Oh, okay. Um, the problem with uh, with uh, mercury is that um, obviously it's also a poison. Yeah. It mainly has effects on the central nervous system, especially if it's in organic form. There are different forms of mercury, which would be boring to get into, but um, certain forms, if ingested, can definitely be um, toxic. Po- you know, they can cause chronic effects. They can affect your thyroid, your kidneys. Um, definitely your central nervous system. That's where uh, in Danbury, Connecticut, there used to be a hat factory. And that's where if you've ever heard the term the Danbury shakes, you haven't. No. What am I, I 80? Sorry. Anyway, it was because if you worked in this hat factory, you all had a trimmer um, 
because of the central nervous effects of of uh, mercury. God, the price um, we've paid for hats. Actually, uh, Chinese Emperor Shen Nung, the father of Chinese medicine, uh, he believed in a potion of powdered jade and mercury to promote eternal life. Wow, that both that sounds really bad for you. Yeah, he died from mercury poisoning in 210 BC. Oh no! Oh, oh Shen Nung. Oh. Oh. I bad. trusted you. That's you wrote a big bad. thing about plants. And I think it's also important to know, and it's probably in the, the less toxic side of, of mercury. Um, you know, there were a lot of uh, a lot of older religious traditions and um, medical traditions, like the Vedic religion and the Ayurvedic medicine. Um, that that's the kind of the root of Hinduism. Um, they would use mercury just in the form of like beads and rings and bracelets and you know to wear and rub on your skin and hold against you um, as kind of an herbal it's not even an herbal medicine but you know a religious based medical treatment like faith healing and that kind of mm-hmm. thing which isn't I know that outside of the bounds of what we consider medicine but at the time that's a very valid cure for something so you've got tuberculosis you've got epilepsy you know you have a stroke here wear this mercury ring and yeah why not see how things shake give out it a, give it a try what's the worst that could happen there's a whole um rasa shastra which is in the vedic religion it's the science of mercury and it, it basically combines mercury with herbal medicine so different herbs with small amounts of mercury to treat people as well mm-hmm. so and that's a whole medical you know that's a whole uh, medical tradition based on mercury now said did this ever this ever like kind of catch on as a as a medical and a, a slightly more you know official medical uh application it did uh i think the most interesting uh medical history when it comes to mercury is uh is in the 19th century it became popular in the the young united states ah I'm, that's a country with well mm-hmm. which i'm well acquainted there were um pills that were called blue mass and they were little blue pills and they actually um they they recreated this recipe many many years later in, in recent times to see what exactly was in blue mass and it was a it was a combination of mercury licorice root rose water honey sugar and dead rose petals so Sounds like basically everything is flavoring, right? Except for the mercury. Except for the mercury. Right. Well, and the, and we could get into, hey, that could be a whole show to itself, the medical um, properties of honey. That's a whole thing to talk about. We'll but, get there. Um, but you basically put them all together with a mortar and pestle, grind them all up together, and then make them into these tiny little uh, grayish blue pellets. And they prescribed them for everything. Again, Probably not with any basis. There was no evidence that this worked, but they gave them for uh, uh, toothaches, if you were constipated, if you needed help getting pregnant, if you had consumption, you know, anything, anything you would give it for. We'll probably talk about this at some point and, and maybe, uh, you know, at what point do we stop just making it up? I mean, I kind of feel like by mid 1800s by the middle of the 19th century we should have been basing at least something in reality <laughs> there's not well i mean to to a degree as much as terrifying as the sounds we're we're still guessing about oh good good oh <laughs> no, great no but the the idea we're we're running into that time period uh, about now where i'm talking about in the 1860s and actually moving on past that 
end of the late 1800s, where we're really starting to think about um, evidence-based medicine, the idea that you have to, you know, use the scientific method, take a hypothesis, test it, see if it works, you know, collect, uh, you know, objective data. Um, We're we're starting to move into that, into that time period. But I mean, we're just, you know, as we go into the 1900s, and I'd have to check my old books to make sure I'm not wrong here but i think we're just heading into the the era of the germ theory of disease you know that germs cause illness and not you know evil yeah sin and stuff well and we we've you know it took us a while to get out of the whole humors era and and it's i mean antibiotics weren't around until the 1940s think about what we did before that just guessed apparently just made well, stuff so, up. Well, we did, and we used something worked once, and we hammered on it until we figured out that it was a fluke, and then we tried something else because we, we didn't know what we were doing. And I mean, we really, it, it took a while for people to start saying, hey, maybe we should have like a regimented way of doing stuff and not just kind of guess. <laughs> There's a whole great uh, thing that I, a whole great book I found, it was a pamphlet that went out weekly um back in the i think it was in the 1800s in europe that was called quackery and nostrums and it was just to let people know about treatments that they were finding out were just pure quackery and and you know different doctors who were doing things that were totally you know off the reservation and uh and it's interesting because that was probably when people first started like recognizing that hey there are facts in medicine there are things that work um and it's a science, and it's not just you know guesswork or faith or, you Doesn't know. Not take all the fun out of it. <laughs> do you think? You well, not would, for the patients. <laughs> you're a doctor. Do you think you would have liked being a doctor when you were just like guessing at stuff, or do you like having all the answers? Uh, I well, let's first of all, I do not have all the answers. Some of the answers. And I, I imagine it would be awfully um, anxiety provoking because you'd never know what you're doing. Although nobody would, nobody seemed to care at the time. They just kept doing it. Yeah. These little, the for instance, these little blue pills that they were giving people, blue mass, were uh, delivering about 9,000 times the amount of mercury <laughs> that is deemed safe for people in each pill. Good and uh, Or no, not in each pill, in a daily dose, okay. which was usually one or two pills three times a day. Okay. So maybe one pill. Yeah. No. Okay. One, no. Or, one, one or two pills three times a day. Yeah. 9,000 times the amount of mercury that is safe for people to consume <sighs> um now what's what's interesting about this is one of our most famous historical figures uh took blue mass leonardo da vinci no uh charles <laughs> nelson riley no come on he's one of your favorites favorite what favorite give me a category favorite what favorite president mm. warren g harding He's our funniest you change, president. You, yeah, see, that's not what I said. I didn't say our funniest. I said your favorite. <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even say our best necessarily. I just said your favorite. Okay, my favorite is Lincoln. And it's kind of a boring answer, but he's, yeah. he's my favorite. But he's also, I guess, maybe one of our best. Maybe he's probably one of, up there. Probably right? up there, right? He's on that mountain. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about history. He's not like McKinley. Or geography. It's so nice to let him do it twice. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln um, was prescribed uh, blue mass at the time for um, depression. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, he had a hard road. Uh-huh. And it actually uh, probably made things worse for him. How so? Um, because it has a lot of psychiatric effects. 
and it could have made him moody and uh, very volatile and have angry outbursts. In one of the Lincoln-Douglas debates, he kind of flipped out and yelled at him. And the thought was that he was probably, it was probably because of the mercury he was taking. Wow. He stopped taking them because he was worried that they were having some kind of negative effect on him. And he stopped before the uh, Civil War started. And a lot of historians believe that perhaps if he had not stopped taking them, he would not have been the steady, you know, calm hand that he was at the wheel during the time of... uh, Or maybe he would have wrapped it up... Our country's great struggle. Maybe he would have wrapped it up faster. Maybe he'd be like, I'm so angry with nuke them. Well... Gonna nuke them all. I don't think we had nukes then. Gonna nuke you back to the Stone Age. Get ready for the Lincoln... Lincoln bomb, I'm going to drop it because I'm angry from the mercury. Now, now that's okay. So that's 1860s, <laughs> and obviously, like if Lincoln wised up, I'm assuming the rest of the nation like read about it in People, and they were like, "Ah, oh, well, I'm not going to take this anymore if Lincoln's not." Well, I don't think Lincoln wanted anybody to know that he was like popping these little pills to calm himself down. These are mints. <laughs> they're all they're they're peppermint. <laughs> They're Mentos. They're Hohan candies. They're fresh maker. They're Mentos candies. <laughs> they're Mentos. Altoids. I just—they're curiously strong. They're so strong. <laughs> I'm angry. Oh, I'm angry. Um, you would think that that would have been the end of it, but it, it, actually, we continue to use mercurochrome. You familiar familiar with mercurochrome? Only from the brief mention of it in the hit musical Rent. I knew you were going to say Rent. Sorry, that's the only. That's, it was my I only have. reference okay, to. Good. We used to use it um, as a topical antiseptic. Huh. Yeah. Now, so, does that have... merbromine, it? which is a mercury thing. And it was actually okay. It probably was not the safest thing to use simply because once you're giving something, once you're selling something over the counter, you know, you tell people use a little dab of it and who knows how much they actually use. And, now, is it is it still, um, is it still around? Mercury no, around? In, in 1998, they banned it. Thanks. So, Thanks, Big In the brother. U.S. anyway. Okay. Um, there's still the the interesting thing is that as of 2011 and and I didn't find anything about now I'm sure it probably hasn't changed or else it would have been notable um, you still can sell liquid mercury in the US if you want to just sell it to people but it's not I mean it's not uh, as far as like poisons go it's not super like Mm. You know what I mean? Is it is it really dangerous there, there in terms are, of toxicity? There are forms of mercury that are um, mercury gas that can be released if the liquid mercury is is heated up and inhaled. Mm-hmm. That can be quite deadly. Okay. And then again, there are forms of organic mercury. Mercury combined with uh, carbon, different forms of that. I don't. I mean, we're getting into organic chemistry there. But the point is, um, that can be absolutely deadly with it with one single exposure there's actually one there was a, a scientist i wish i'd written down her name who um was killed uh in recent times it's only been within the last few years and it was from um she was exposed to working with she was working with mercury and organic forms in her lab uh she was exposed to it through a tiny little hole in her glove six months later she died and it was from mercury poisoning <laughs> Mercury poisoning can be a chronic thing too. It's not necessarily like a, you know, cyanide or something we think about somebody ingests and it's gone. You know, they deteriorate slowly over a period of time. But the thing with organic mercury is that you can't get it out of you. You know, other mercuries there might be some ways to let it run it, you know, kind of run its course, get through your system, but organic mercury kind of binds to you, becomes part of you. It's an easy way to think about it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but it's still used in a lot of the religious traditions that kind of, um, when we think about, so because of the slave trade, there were a lot of new religions that formed in like the Caribbean region and South America and the Creole region. And these kind of, uh, these new religious traditions all used uh, mercury. And to this day, um, there are um, practitioners. I don't know if I would call them physicians or spiritual leaders, fair. practitioners, even-handed. Um, who still prescribe this. And you can buy mercury capsules uh, for a 10 gram mercury capsule for anywhere from two to ten dollars depending on where you buy them can i get and that they, on amazon probably i, I didn't some. look but I probably but and, and they tell them to you can take it for indigestion uh or you can use it to ward off evil spirits i mean it's for everything in between and there, there are even some people who give themselves injections of mercury and obviously this is not recommended um because you know the best case scenario is what you're taking is not going to do anything to you um you know, you're taking such a small amount that it won't actually kill you. The worst case scenario is you take enough that, you know, it's deadly. Now, Sydney, I want to put uh, mercury to the trepanation test. To what extent are you and your medical cohorts trying to keep mercury from us, the common people, because you're afraid it will um, uh, make you obsolete? As always, um, it is a vast conspiracy, and we are <laughs> desperately trying to keep real medicine from people <laughs> so that we'll maintain our jobs and our high standard of living. So there you have it, folks. <laughs> Straight from the doctor's mouth. That's a lie. Don't use mercury. Don't, don't use mercury. Don't use mercury. But it's, it's probably not a good idea. It's interesting. It's cool looking. Um, fun you to know, play Unless with. you're a Terminator, I would, I'd stay away from it. <laughs> So don't use Mercury, but uh, do use your favorite podcast uh, subscription service to listen to our show, uh, Sawbones. Um, we uh, certainly appreciate you taking the time to listen to us this week. We'll be back, of course, next week with another uh, episode for you to enjoy. Uh, you can find our show on iTunes or on Twitter or on I don't know, Facebook maybe? Maybe we have a Facebook page. Do we have, uh, well, by the time this goes out, we better have a Facebook page. We're no, you're, you're nobody without Facebook. You're not allowed to say you have a Facebook page until you have one, I think, legally, That's right? That's the law. Is that a thing? That's the law. I don't know. Uh, but we s sure appreciate you, uh, you listening to us. You can actually follow us individually on Twitter. My lovely wife is at Sydney McElroy, S-Y-D-N-E-E-M-C-E-L-R-O-Y. And Justin is at Justin McElroy, but you already knew that. That's why you're listening. Aww. Aww. Sure. You're so, so famous. Make sure you join us next week. And as always, don't kill a hole. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.